Um, last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Slaying Giants. And uh, I, I told you last week that as I started to look into this in introduction that I wanted to do on week one, there was just so much there that I, I couldn't squeeze it all into one week. So I've spread it out over two weeks. So last week, we took a, a look at a story that could be found. Um, it takes place in the Old Testament over a thousand years before Jesus was even born. And um, it was about a giant by the name of Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, you can read the story about that giant. And we only got halfway through. Last week, we only found out about Goliath. In fact, the title of last week's message was The Problem with Giants. Because, you know, giants are a problem. They're big. They're loud. They like to remind us that they're here. We found out last week that the longer that they're around, the bigger they often seem to be. And actually, in reality, can sometimes be. And you know, I've got to be honest, it was hard leaving you hanging like that. Last week, we learned about this giant by the name of Goliath, and we got to, to find out that he was intimidating the Israelites, that he's shouting and screaming at them, and, and we kind of stopped right there. I was dying to tell you how the story ends. But the truth is, no one wants you to spoil the end of the story. None of you wants to know that Bruce Willis was actually dead for the whole movie, right? <laughs> Sorry, I have to spoil that for some of you now. Um, so I didn't tell the end of the story, okay? <laughs> some of you will figure that out later. You can ask your spouses, they'll explain that to you. So I didn't tell the whole story. So this morning, welcome back. We're going to finish out that story. We're going to find out about another character because it wasn't just Goliath in this story. We're actually going to learn that there was another character. And in actual fact, this giant, he was slayed. And we're going to look at that story and we're going to apply that to our lives. We're going to figure out how we can slay the giants that come up against every single one of us. So one important thing that I want to really kind of uh, lay down here at the outset of this series, though, is, you know, we're going to be talking about some pretty big giants. We're, we're talking about this story of David and Goliath, but we're going to be applying it to the giants that, that show up in our lives. And over the next five weeks, we're actually going to be talking about five specific giants. They are doubt, anxiety, loss, debt, and divorce. And the truth is, although I, I was really kind of um, trying to decide which specific giants to tackle, there were so many that, that I left out of this particular series. I was, I was thinking about maybe depression. That's a giant that can affect many of us. Addiction, sickness. There were so many other giants that we could have added to this series. And what I'm hoping and praying is that throughout this series, if, if you struggle with any one of these giants, that you will learn um, some tools, some keys that will help you. I'm hoping and praying that if you don't, but one day you face one of these giants, that what we learn about in this series will help you. And I'm hoping and praying that if the giant you're struggling with isn't um, labeled in this particular series, that maybe some of what you learn about tackling these giants, you'll be able to apply to the giants in your life. So that's my prayer throughout this series. And I would love to tell you that after this morning's message, you'll have everything you need. You'll be slaying giants before you know it. The reality is in the world in which we live, that isn't the case. Now there is some good news, and we talked about this last week. Jesus introduced us to this fact. He said to his disciples, and um, John was the guy who recorded this. He says in John 16, 33, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. 
So there's two really important pieces of information in that, that small phrase. The first is that we will face trials and sorrows of many kinds. Wherever you come from this morning, unfortunately, the reality is we're going to face giants. The great news is that Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. That we can link arms, we can join hands with a Savior, with Jesus, who says, listen, I have slayed giants. I have overcome the giants. But I want to have like a little bit of a reality check here at the beginning of this series. Because I think as we talk over the next five weeks about these in particular giants, it's going to affect each and every one of us in different ways. Depending on where you are right now in your life, this, this series will, have, will affect you in different ways. For, for some of you here this morning, something you hear taught during this series is going to be like a light switch going on. You're going to hear something this series that you've never realized before. And it's going to be like a light switch going on, like an, a door being unlocked. And it will set you free. There will be something that will destroy that giant that's had way too much control of your life for too long. And I hope and pray that for some of you that happens over the next five weeks. That'll be fantastic if that happens. However, that may not be the the story for everyone here this morning. For some, it might be a little bit different. For some, I think over the course of these next five weeks, you will learn some keys You'll, you'll learn some, some scripture, some of what the Bible teaches. There may be some insights on, on how to pray, how to talk with one another that will actually help you start the long journey of chipping away at that giant. And you would love it if something you hear destroys that giant in one fell swoop. But actually, God's plan in your life is that it's going to be more of a, a gradual, just kind of breaking down. But, but as you stay constant in that, as you stay faithful, as God helps you apply some of what you're learning over the next five weeks, you're going to see that giant eroded away. And the power that that giant has over your life will be destroyed. For some I think this series will simply bring you to the place of finally acknowledging in your life that the giant exists. Some of you have kind of been pretending it's not there, pretending you're doing okay. But the reality is there is a giant, one of those five, that's in your life. And you know deep down he has a hold on you. That it's real. That, that you can be here this morning, you can love Jesus with all of your heart, and yet you can still struggle with something like anxiety. That the reality is, although you had a problem believing that both of those could both exist, that you may be here and you say, I love God, so why is it that I battle with this? Maybe the giant is divorce. Maybe that giant has started to threaten your family. Maybe there have been some cracks appearing in the foundations and you show up on a Sunday morning and everything's all smiles. But deep down, you know that this relationship needs work. You know that there is a giant that is approaching that could destroy your family. I desperately want Connect Church to be the kind of place where you can come and you can be real. Maybe during this series, it's, it's a time to say, you know what, Dave, that giant exists. As you've talked about that, I've recognized some of the signs that show me that that giant is here. You'll find this to be a safe place where you can be honest and open and maybe even admit, you know what, we're struggling. I don't think you'll find a couple in this room that wouldn't say, I I can relate to where you're at. 
But this series will simply give you the determination to call it what it is, a giant, to name it, and finally to be able to start to formulate a plan to slay it, however long that may take. So with all that in mind, I felt like I really had to kind of just inject this at this point in the series because I'd love to promise you a quick fix. I'd love to promise you a just add water solution to destroying the giants that are in your lives. And for some of you, it may be just like that. For others, it may be a process. But for some here this morning, just acknowledging that the giant exists is going to be the first step to breaking through. So let's finally, after the week, last week introduction, now part two, let's finally get to meet the hero of our story. He's a young man. His name is David. Great name. Have I told you that yet? Great name. So you can read about this young man. His name is David, and it's in 1 chapter Sam, uh, one chapter Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, and we're going to read that together here this morning. If you've got a Bible on your phone or if you've got a Bible with you, you can read along. Uh, if not, we'll have it up on the screen. And it's a huge passage, so I'm going to break it up a little bit and uh, skip through some, but, but you'll, you'll get to hear the whole story here this morning. So in verse 12, we get introduced to the hero of our story. It says, David was the son of a man named Jesse. He was an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shamir, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. So we know that three of Saul's sons are soldiers. They are tough guys. They are ready for battle. The oldest Jump all the way down to the last of eight. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers, they stayed with Saul's army. But David, the mighty warrior, the champion of all battles, he went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So our hero of the story, he's not even part of the army. He's a shepherd. He's looking to his older brothers thinking, man, I wish I could do what they do. All I get to do is watch the sheep. And as glamorous as that sounds, it isn't. It's basically just that, watching sheep. Jesse, his dad, he says, listen, your sons, the important ones, the brave ones, the soldiers, they need some food. I need you to run a sack lunch out for them. So Jesse sends David out to the front line where the battle is, we, we learned last week, is gridlocked because neither, neither army is willing to go down into the valley and try and ascend the other side to attack the other army. So instead, this giant by the name of Goliath has been standing out there saying, who will fight me? He's challenging the Israelite army to what we called last week single combats. It's quite common in those days. Rather than two armies go to battle, each army would send out their best soldier to fight to the death. And whoever won, that army won the victory. So David arrives at the front line. He sees this Goliath. And listen to what happens in verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, Goliath, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asks the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get? And I think he was like, what? What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? Why aren't any of you fighting? That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Then he says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? 
that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Hey, we're the winning side here. What are you worried about? God's on our side. So David, this naive shepherd, who probably is, it works in his favor that he's not a soldier, he's like, hey, we can take him. God's on our side. Did you hear about the taxes? That sounds like a good deal to me. So he goes to Saul. He says, hey, I'll have some of that. I'll take on Goliath. Now, I think Saul probably initially was like, go away, son. Give, give your lunch to your brothers and head on back to the sheep. But David persisted until finally Saul says, all right, give it a go. I'll, in fact, you know what? I'll help you out. I'll get you my best armor. I'll have someone bring in my armor. We'll dress you up in it so you'll be ready to fight. Well, the story says that they dressed David up and it was just way too big and cumbersome and he couldn't move around. He says, you know what? I appreciate the gesture, but I'm going to go this one alone. God's on my side. I got this. So no armor. He decides to go out and fight Goliath. If you're familiar with this story, and maybe many of you are this morning, you'll recognize this next part. It says that he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Philistine. I'm going to say that word both ways all morning because I can't decide which one sounds best. To fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you would come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David, this little David, little shepherd boy, he says, he replies to the Philistines, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. I love that. It's like, not only am I going to destroy you, but before I destroy you, I'm going to let everyone know why I'm destroying you. Okay, just in case there's any uh, disclarity, unclarity here, and they think, oh, that's a lucky, lucky shot. No, this is exactly what is about to happen. So as Goliath moved closer to attack, and if you remember last week, this guy's over nine feet tall. I imagine this, this huge, cumbersome giant kind of wobbling towards David. It says, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, he took out a stone, probably a lot like this small black stone here. He hurled it with his sling and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistines with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. So David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. And David used it to kill him, to finish him off, and to cut off his head. 
Now, I know that maybe for many of you here this morning, even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you're, um, maybe you grew up in church, but it's been a long time since you've been to church, this is quite a familiar story. And it's always great to hear it again. It's always great to hear that this little guy, David, defeated this giant Goliath. And we hear it spoken about even today in, in the media. You know, you'll see two sports teams going up against each other. And one's, you know, the, the, the long shot. No one can even believe they've made it to the finals. And you've got this great team. And they're like, we've got a David and Goliath situation on here. Because everyone imagines this situation as being, man, David was a shepherd boy. He had no chance. Goliath was a warrior. He was a a, a battle-hardened soldier. He was a giant. So whenever we think of David and Goliath, we always think, man, odds were against them. This is an amazing miracle. Is that thunder? That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) just in case this story wasn't exciting enough, God's like, yeah. So... (laughs) we got like the whole three-dimensional story going on here this morning. This is awesome. So, <laughs> so I can't even remember what I say now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I think, and as I've been studying this, this story, and we're going to unpack this a little bit here this morning, I don't think that David and Goliath was quite the battle that we thought it was going to be. I don't think that this battle, that the odds were quite as much against David as we're going to find out this morning. And let me tell you why, as I unpack with these three ideas here this morning. The first idea, okay, of, is this. Because I want to I look at these ideas of how David defeated Goliath. And I want to see if we can apply them in our lives against the giants that we face. So the first idea is this. That David won the battle of perspective. David won the battle of perspective. Listen to what it says in verse 26. It says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You see a giant, I see the armies of the living God. Let me explain what that means by perspective. I've got, Casey's going to help me a little bit here, so um, I'd like a ping pong ball. Hey, well done. Awesome. So, so this here, this is going to represent David. Okay, a little ping pong ball. All right, if I can have the next ball. Yeah. All right, good job. So we've got David here. And we've got Goliath. Now, if you know me, you'll know I'm a visual kind of guy. I need analogies. I need illustrations. So you've got David. You've got Goliath. Now, obviously, from a perspective point of view, we have a problem here. We have a small guy. We have a giant. But David was aware of a third ball that I haven't brought up onto the stage yet. So in order to get that, um, it's it's actually, you're sitting on it right now. It's, uh, It's planet Earth. Okay, the third ball to illustrate my point that represents God, okay, is planet Earth. And to be honest with you, I think even then I'm doing God a little bit of an injustice because I'm kind of limiting him. But if you can imagine in your mind's eye, if this represents David and this represents Goliath, I want you to imagine God represented as the planet, the circle, the sphere that we're sat on right now. The God in heaven who's just opened up the heavens right now and the rain is pouring down. It's exciting, isn't it? David won the battle of perspective. And I'll tell you why, okay? Because he chose in that moment to instead of look at this ball, he looked at the bigger ball. He looked at Goliath. He looked at God, the huge um, God that he is, over and above this small giant compared to God. Now... I kind of got flustered there for a second because I'm going to pause here for a second. And if you will allow me, I'm actually going to say a quick prayer. Because um, 
Last time I stood on this stage and a storm came through, it had a rather different outcome. And I'm very aware that there could be some here this morning, this brings back, and even our kids right now. So we're just going to say a prayer right now because we're talking about a big God who loves us and protects us. He kept us safe on November 17th and he'll keep us safe today. Father God, you are the God of the heavens and the earth. We believe that you love us, Lord, that you protect us that day. And I know that for many, Lord, who call Washington their home, Lord, every sign of wind, every sign of a storm, Lord, it just kind of creates anxiety, anxiousness, fear, Lord. And today, to be in this building that many of us were in on that day, Lord, kind of exasperates that. So God, I just pray peace right now. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just um, be amongst the kids in kids' church, amongst the little kids in the preschool area, even amongst the mums and dads, Lord, who just right now have tensed up just a little bit just at the thought of the thunder and the lightning. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. We're actually going to talk in a few weeks about anxiety because it's a very real thing, Lord. And we just choose this morning to put our faith in you and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... The first battle that David won was this battle over the idea of perspective. And you see, we make that mistake sometimes. We, we choose to look at the giant instead of looking at the huge God that stands behind the giant. And that was the difference in this story. David, he chose to put his focus upon God and not upon the giant Goliath. All right. So the second battle I discovered as I was studying this particular story, the second battle that David won was the battle of the weapon. Now, I love this. I'm really looking forward to explaining this to you because as I've studied this, it's fascinating. David won that day the battle of the weapon. See, we all know that David and Goliath, it's this story of an amazing defeat against impossible odds. But actually, the more I studied this, the more I realized that giant, Goliath, he didn't stand a chance. The odds were actually stacked against him. Now, don't get me wrong. God was in this battle. It's an incredible victory. But there were some factors that actually made this less of David going up against Goliath and actually more of Goliath going up against David. In actual fact, I think that um, there, were, there were people that day who were thinking, man, this is going to be an unfair fight. I think David's like, you know what? This is going to be an unfair fight. Because <laughs> he knew the weapon with which he was going to go up against Goliath. To illustrate the, the, the outcome of this battle, uh, to kind of put it in a context that you guys may relate to, check out this video right here. All right, a classic scene from Indiana Jones. We've all seen that point in the movie where, you know, the guy's coming out and with sword skills and he's like, hey, I've got a gun. <laughs> you know, battle's over. Let me explain what's taken place here between David and Goliath. You see, in those times, there were three types of soldier in every battle. You had your cavalry. That was your armed soldiers. They were on horseback or on chariots. You had your infantry. That would be your foot soldiers. They were wearing armor, carrying shields and swords. And then finally, you had your projectile warriors. We would call that today the artillery. They were your archers or your slingers. These were soldiers in, in armies back then. They were called slingers. Slingers were so incredibly accurate that they could kill a bird in mid-flight just by projecting that stone. You see, Goliath was expecting someone to come against him on his terms. Goliath was expecting single combat. Goliath was expecting another infantryman to come against him. He wasn't expecting that day to do battle against a projectile warrior. It caught Goliath off guard. You know, many famous battles have been won and lost that way when an army has gone expecting one thing and something different has happened. 
I remember a, a, an army one time. They were, they were ready to fight. They were a great group of soldiers. They all stood there in a line. They were wearing shiny red coats. They were ready to go to battle. And do you know what the enemy did? It turns out these militia, they were hiding in trees and behind rocks. And, 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 and as history tells us, you know, the, the Brits were caught off guard. And just to rub it in, for 300 years now, you've reminded us about this by having fireworks every July 4th. But that, that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. In fact, I've got to be honest, I was down the riverfront the other night and uh, celebrated the fireworks. It is my second favorite U.S. holiday. It is, really. Thanksgiving is my first, because that's the holiday where you celebrate uh, the Brits arriving safely in America. I like that one. July 4th, you know, celebrating, kicking us out again. That's not quite as good, so, but uh, I do like the two holidays. They're great. But you see, Goliath, he wasn't expecting a slinger. And even though David was a slinger, okay, he was using his sling, we would think, well, surely a kid with a catapult and a small stone shouldn't be a threat, right? Until you find out exactly what someone can do with one of these slings. This wasn't like a Y-shaped stick and some elastic that some of us think of, okay, like a catapult. This was a small leather pouch with two leather cords coming off each side. They would use it, they would swing it by the cords like this with the stone in the pouch until it was spinning six or seven times a second. Adds to that the fact that he's running towards Goliath with his incredible aim. He sees the only point of vulnerability to be Goliath's forehead. I read this week that a ballistics expert with the Israeli Defense Forces, a guy by the name of Eden Hirsch, he studied this story and he predicted that the optimal distance would have been 35 meters from David's to Goliath to launch that stone. And that when he released it, it would have flown towards Goliath at 34 meters per second. So at that speed, Goliath would have had about one second to realize what was happening. The stone would have had enough power to penetrate Goliath's skull, leaving him at the very least unconscious, but probably more realistically dead. A historian by the name of Robert Dorans writes this. He says, Goliath had as much chance against David as any Bronze Age warrior with a sword would have had against an opponent armed with a forty-five pistol. That's what happens that day with David and his sling. With the right weapon in your hands, the giant becomes beatable. And over the next five weeks, we're going to try and tip the odds in your favor. We're going to try and introduce you to some weapons that you can use to actually defeat the giants in your life. You're going to hear strategies and insights into how weapons can can best be used. You're going to hear stories from individuals who are going to come and teach on some of these subjects. And things that they've gone through, their stories, their experience, that'll give you the experience and the knowledge that you need to fight the fight that you are going to fight. Because the reality is, if you're battling one of those five giants, it's not an easy fight to fight. It would be much easier if it was a physical enemy in front of you that you were fighting. That would be so much simpler. I actually just discovered on on Facebook this morning that one of our our church members is, is on his way back from Las Vegas right now because last night he was there for the UFC fighting championships. He trains one of the fighters, a local guy who was out there fighting last night. And I'm like, that is so cool. I didn't know that. He's and he's part of Connect Church. I started to think, man, have I been nice to him when I've seen him? Like, when I shook hands the first time, was it a firm grip? Or was it kind of a, because if, if it was a, like a wishy-washy grip, I'm out. He's never going to listen to a word I say. Then I'm thinking, we need to get that guy plugged in here at Connect. That, that, he trains UFC fighters. 
He needs to be taking the offering. I need that guy with a basket, <laughs> passing it down the aisles. And, and as people go to give, he needs to be looking at them, thinking, yeah, is that it? Is that, <laughs> that's all you... And people here, I give online. Honestly, I give online. <laughs> then I thought, no, no, maybe that's not really what we should do here at Connect Church. Maybe we should have him work with the fourth and fifth grade boys. That's... Then I thought, no, even, even he probably would have his, uh, his, uh, his, his battle met against the fourth or fifth grade boys. But, but this guy, I know this, he gets to train a guy to step into a ring and fight a physical fight against flesh and blood, someone he can see. But for many of us, the giants that battle our lives, they're not physical. They're not right in front of us. A guy by the name of Paul who wrote a huge part of the New Testament. Listen to what he says about the fights that we engage in. He was writing to the church in Ephesus and he said, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's the fight that we engage in. That's the fight that many of these giants bring to us. But I think, looking at the life of David, there are some keys, there are some strategies, there are some weapons that we can be equipped with to take on these giants. So as well as understanding the perspective of God, as well as knowing that we've got the right weapon in our hands, here's here's the final area in which I think David won this battle. This is really important for us to, to understand as this series begins. He won the battle on the field because he'd won the battle off the field. David won the battle on the field because he'd already won the battle off the field. You know, any coach or athlete here this morning will tell you that that game day performance in front of the cameras and the crowds, it may only be one hour in the spotlight, but it represents thousands upon thousands of hours of preparation and discipline and hard work to get that athlete to that point. We may only see a glimpse of that on game day. What we don't see is all that took place leading up to that, to that game to prepare that athlete, to prepare that person for the, the race in which they're going to run, the game in which they're going to play. And the truth in us is a lot goes on off the field. And the same was true of David. Listen to what it said. I didn't read this earlier, but when, when David first meets Saul and Saul's trying to convince him to wear the armor, listen to how David responds. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and, pro- and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. And I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I imagine David sat out on a field by himself, no one around but the sheep. And seeing a wild animal approaching, I imagine him pulling a stone out of his pouch, putting it into his his leather sling, swinging it, and and maybe it's a warning shot, maybe it's a kill shot. But that, that kid, little David, he's killed lions, he's killed bears. To him, he's already defeated enemies when no one else was around. So he knew what it was like to take out a giant. Goliath was just a bigger version Here's the thing. Some of us here this morning, these giants may not have appeared in our lives. Some of the, the giants we talked about, maybe some like loss, they'll show up very unexpectedly. 
If you, if you get into that tragic moment where you have to deal with loss, that giant doesn't give you any preparation. He just shows up. And we can't hope that when we're on the field of conflict that we'll then be able to suddenly figure out how to fight. For most of us, it's now. We're in the obscurity of the field. We're watching sheep. No one else is around. No one's watching to see how we do. You know, it's in these moments that we learn what it means to trust God. It's in these moments of obscurity that we learn to surrender our lives completely to him. To say, I don't want you just to be a part of my life. I want you to be the most important part of my life. It's in these moments when, when the giants aren't attacking that, that we very often learn some of those, those key disciplines. Just like an athlete, we're learning to pray. We're learning to talk to God. We're learning to read our Bible and learn more about God. We're learning to, to talk to, to friends in small groups and share what God's doing in our life and share what we're learning. Because in these moments of obscurity, God is preparing us. We're winning small battles here and there. Because it's in these moments that there may not be a giant looming over us, but one could be coming. And who we are and who we become in these moments will determine who we are when we face the giants. Because for many of us, if it's not one of these, a giant will come. But we can be like David. We can, we can learn to destroy the giants in the, in the private times so that when the giant comes, we're ready. This is just another discipline that I'm getting to apply. And at that point, we'll be asking ourselves, are we going to be someone who has the right perspective? Will we be somebody who in that moment has the right weapon and is skilled in using it? Will we have the experience of winning battles on a smaller scale when no one else is looking so that when that giant confronts us, we're ready to take it head on? That's what we'll be focusing on over the next five weeks. For some of you, the giant's already upon you, and this series will really help you fight back. For others, I really hope and pray that this is preparing you for what giants may come. So here's how I want to just close out, and then we're going to finish off with some more worship here this morning. But um, we've created a website. It's called slayingthegiants.com. And we want this to run alongside the series, and we want this to be a tool for you. So you can go to this website. It has the schedule listed of, who's, of, of when each message is. So you may have a friend who you know deals with anxiety. You may have a, uh, some friends who you know maybe are struggling and maybe divorce has even become a, um, a possibility and you want them to come that week and hear that. So it'll tell you what weeks we're speaking about what. So it, it, it's a great resource to send friends to as an invite. But here's what else it is. There's, there's a tab on that website. It says submit a question. Here's where I need your help, okay? I want this to be as real and as helpful to you as possible. So on that page, there's the option of sending your name and your email, and you don't have to do that. We've actually unchecked those boxes, so if you don't fill that in, you can still submit it. But there's a comments box there, comments or questions. And maybe you want to just say, hey, listen, when the guy talks on anxiety, I, I really hope he answers this. And you can kind of write, this is, this is where I struggle with that. You're talking this week on doubts. You know, what about this? And maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe there's something that specifically you want addressed. And you might want to put your name and email. That's great. And we may connect with you and, and talk with you one-on-one. But maybe you're like, I don't want people to know specifically this is me, but I really hope someone answers this question. So slayingthegiants.com. It'll be a great resource over the next five weeks that you can use as we continue on in this series.